Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. If you are thinking about making that transition, you likely have two different paths um, and depends on your situation, which one is easier. Path one is that you might move into management in the company you already work for. Path two is that you apply for a management position in a new company. Given the current state of things, I would assume that path one is a little bit easier than path two. In the Women Who Code Career Nav segment of our show, you'll hear real world advice from people who are currently working in the technology industry and personally know the steps needed to succeed. Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. Today, I'm here to talk to you about the decision many engineers face, which is to enter management or not. My name is Inyoung Choi and my pronouns are she and her. I'm currently a technical advisor to the Browser Company of New York, as well as a speaker, a mentor, and an angel investor. Most recently before that, I was a senior staff engineer at Slack, which is also a software architect at Salesforce. I'm so excited to talk about the question so many of us face in our engineering careers. Should I go into management? And this is a topic that's really close to my heart because I've consciously made this choice at several different points in my thriving 25-year career in the tech industry. And in that time, I've been in nearly every single role, the most junior engineer early in my career to the most senior engineer in my teams at multiple companies, an engineering manager, and later a co-founder of my own startup. I've worked across the tech industry covering casual mobile games, social media apps, and enterprise SaaS. And in the last five years, it's been an incredible joy to have helped over 50 engineers and managers, mostly from underrepresented backgrounds, to accelerate their technical careers through one-on-one mentorship. And this question of going into management is something that comes up all the time. (laughs) Literally every single person talks to me about this at some point. But right now, with so many people impacted by layoffs, I think this question is um, pressing more heavily on people than usual. You know, people come to me asking, does switching into management help protect my career more? Or is this a terrible time for a switch? Or even for current managers, many are asking specifically because of the job market, should I switch back to a role where I'm writing code instead of managing people? There's just a lot of anxiety and urgency about career decisions right now, and it's different from just a couple of years ago. But um, here are some common things I've heard from people about why they're thinking about making this switch into management. And to be clear, a lot of the stories here um, that I tell on this podcast will be about stepping into management rather than stepping out, but I will talk about that as well. Some of the um, reasons people give are about... uh, next logical steps. They say things like, I feel like I should plan for the future. And it seems like at some point, that's just what happens. You become a manager. Or they say, I'm already a senior engineer at my company. And the only way up here is to become a manager. Um, Some people talk about more intrinsic value reasons, such as I love when I help someone learn a new concept or support them through a difficult situation at work. Um, Some people Uh, say, I love helping organizing a group of people do a lot more and better together than they can as one. And my, one of my favorite managers said, um, she just lit up when I asked her why she became a manager. And she said, 
I just love helping other people succeed. And I was like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> and some other reasons that some people give are due to frustrations that they're feeling right now. Um, they might say things like, I feel like I'm already doing my manager's, manager's job and I do it better than they do. Or I feel like I don't have any agency over team decisions. I'm just told what to do and I'm so tired of it. Maybe if I become a manager, I'll have a better say in what, what I do and what, what my team does. So do any of these sound familiar to you? Um, I think at least some of them probably do. Now, here's some things people say when they know they're not ready to switch. Uh, I really like to create with my hands. I really love coding. I feel like I wouldn't get to do that as a manager. Uh, some people say, I'm still learning how to be a good engineer and I want to get better at it before switching. And there's the funny because it's true reason. Um, I don't want to spend all my time in meetings. I hate meetings. <laughs> As engineers, we may have a tendency to want to make a list of pros and cons going into management. I hope that the list will make it easy to decide. But with the people I've been helping, um, it's been much more helpful to talk through a slightly different perspective. I'll call this my management decision-making framework. There are four parts to it, each of which I, I will go into. The first part is looking at yourself. So looking within, especially at this specific moment in time. Uh, second is looking at your leadership team, who you report to, who your management is. Three is looking at the peers in your network or at your company, whether those are potential peer managers if you make the switch or peer um, more senior engineers in your team or in your networks. Four is looking at the team you will support if you decide to switch into management, whether it's at your own company or in a team you're interviewing at. Let's get into the first part, which is looking at yourself, looking within. What do you currently love about the work you do? What fills up your metaphorical cup? When I ask that question, I'm not seeing specific things like running the scrum meetings, which you might love, but you have to think about what about running the scrum meetings do you love? Do you love helping your team understand what they should be working on, removing ambiguity so everyone uh, can focus without distraction? What aspect of running a good scrum meeting do you love? So when you dive into what things you love, I want you to sort of get at the deep reasons why you love those things. As another example, if you love to sit down and write code, what is it that you love about? It? Is it the act of executing on something clearly defined, which it often isn't? <laughs> is it the thinking that is involved in untangling a difficult and unclearly defined problem to come up with something creative? Is it solving problems for your teammates or customers with the work you did? Think about the spans of your day when you feel energized or content. Think about the spans of your day when you feel tired, but in a good way, because you've put in good effort toward progress that you care about. And think about the times when you feel drained in that really bad way that you know is leading to burnout, when the time felt like a total waste, when you feel just <laughs> like it just sucked all the energy out of you when you know you could have been doing other and better things. Think about what skills you want to build. Sometimes that 
is informed by what your manager tells you you need to work on. But really think about what do you value? Do you want to be better technically? Do you want to be better at communication? Do you see that you have some missing leadership skills and you sort of can see who you can become if you had those skills? So how can you build those toward those skills that you want? And I just want to make it clear here that those skills, whatever you want to build, are going to be useful whether you decide to go into management or whether you decide you want to go further in your technical uh, engineering IC career. IC meaning individual contributor career where you're writing code. So it's, you know, it, it's not incompatible with either of those paths. Um, and Honestly, you might even be sure you want to go into management in a couple of years, but right now, for instance, if you want to focus on becoming a better technician, writing better code, then you can know that that's your long-term goal, but know that you currently it's not what you want. So let's go into the second part, which is to look at your look up at your manager team, at your leadership team. If you are thinking about making that transition, you likely have two different paths um, and depends on your situation, which one is easier. Path one is that you might move into management in the company you already work for. Path two is that you apply for a management position in a new company. Given the current state of things, I would assume that path one is a little bit easier than path two. Um, there have been times when the, in the industry when I've heard from peers and from my network said path two is easier. I don't think right now is that time. Both paths can be pretty hard, but it's fairly easy to evaluate path one. So let's talk a little bit more about it. Uh, you most likely already know who your manager will be if you become a manager. It might be your current manager. <laughs> um, you know if you respect your executive team and how they make decisions and how you they communicate with the lower levels of the team. And if you're Someone who's thinking about that transition because you're already doing your manager's job or you find them to be a terrible manager to you, I want you to think about something. It may be completely obvious to you that you'll be a better manager than them and your team will be way happier with you leading than they are with your current manager. But your manager will still be your manager. Are they currently bad at providing help or cover for your team? Do they give you vague and inactionable feedback that just feels bad? <laughs> Do you find your one-on-ones frustrating and a waste of time? Are they less experienced or worse than you at management skills? So if your transition to management involves moving to a different team, then all those questions I asked might be moot. But actually many people I've talked to who are moving into management or have moved into management, um, this was the situation they found themselves in. Your manager isn't going to be magically better because you also became a manager reporting to them. But when I say look up um, at the leadership team, it's not just about that manager. So even if your own manager isn't great, maybe you respect the other leaders in the company and you know there are people you can learn from and get advice from. Management is such a different set of skills than you are used to being good at, which is the technical skills. And having someone around you who can help you navigate that transition is so important. If you're interviewing into a new company to make the management transition, um, you know, you're going to have less information, but you ask a lot of questions about how experienced the senior leadership team, team is, 
what your hiring manager's management philosophy is, how they grow managers under them, and what they expect of you. And really make sure you feel as good as possible working for this person because your first new management role is probably your hardest and you need an understanding boss who can help you grow. Let's dive into the third part, which is to look at your peers, look at your community. So having fellow managers who understand where you are as a new manager is so crucial. You'll run into situations where only another manager will understand and be able to help. You might know managers in your company, managers from your prior networks, or be a part of a new manager community on Slack or Discord. Whatever it is, make sure you find that community. If you're help, if you're interviewing into a new role, ask about how many managers they have at your level and what the career support looks like for them at that new company. Maybe ask to meet fellow early career managers in that team and see if they feel supported. Now, the final piece is to look at the team that will potentially report to you. If you're moving from being a teammate to the manager of the same team you work in, there are special considerations. So one great thing is that you'll go in knowing a lot about the strengths and growth areas of each teammate. You'll know the product, you know the engineering work, you know um, how complex each upcoming project is going to be. There's just so much you know, and it's a lot of things that kind of facilitate that change. There's, there's also an incredible awkwardness when you go from a peer to a boss. You'll have to give constructive, timely, and actionable feedback to people you're friendly with. And that combination of construct, constructive, timely, and actionable is so hard for even the most senior managers. Um, you and People who are previously just your friend, <laughs> it's very hard to give that kind of feedback to. It's a very sudden sh shift. You won't be able to join social events the same ways that you were able to do before. Um, you'll have to maintain a little bit of professional distance. You'll have to work hard to make sure you aren't being social with some, well, more social with some teammates and less with others because your team needs to trust that you're acting without bias, that you're not just buddy buddies with some people and not with others. So actually, when I've heard um, talked to the people who have made that transition, and when I reflect on my own experience, many teammates are actually happy when this happens, because they're glad to have someone that knows their daily pain and grind <laughs> um, be the boss. But it is also true that some teammates may feel uncomfortable or jealous. These are all normal things and things you have to learn to navigate, but really take that into account the team that you'll be working with. Some of the things that you want to think about are, are there people that you know have never taken your feedback and don't want to listen to you talk over you? What will it be like to manage them? <laughs> so let me stop here to tell you a story. It's February 2014. I'm in the company bathroom in a stall and I'm crying my eyes out. I'm a first-time manager, and I've just had to fire someone in my team. And it was clearly the right choice to fire him. He's made multiple people cry. It, it was so bad that people had started calling sick, calling in sick on days when they had to work with him. And this guy, he's very, very junior, and it's his first software engineering job, but he has the ego and arrogance of an insufferable senior engineer. Not that it's okay in senior people, but like he didn't have the work to counterbalance that. He 
raises his voice. He swears in response to everyday questions from his teammates. And, you know, I had stepped in as the manager to that team um, where I was a teammate as a peer. And I found a huge mess in his wake. So even as obvious as it was to fire him, and to make it even more obvious, later I learned that he was getting high on the job. So it was an unequivocal, he needed to be fired situation. But I still struggled because I also knew that he was going through some things. I knew that he was young. I knew that he hadn't um, learned how to be professional in the workforce yet. And I wondered if I was ruining his career before he's even had a chance to get started. Could I have steered him better? Did I fail him in my role as a manager? That day, I feel so alone. And I tell myself it's the right thing. But after five long months of HR fighting me every step of the way instead of supporting me, I just don't know. I tell my boss, who's the director, that I have to leave the office for the remainder of the day. My boss is a man who is much younger and far less experienced than me. He has been promoted much too quickly. <laughs> and he thought that there actually were no problems with the employee I had to fire. But the problem was that my team hadn't trusted my boss enough to tell him about how bad things really were before I stepped in. So this boss, when I tell him I need to go home, he tells me that maybe I'm not cut out to be a manager. Maybe some people just can't handle it. I go home feeling utterly alone, and this is the worst I had ever felt in my professional career. A few months later, I leave that job. My journey is over. I guess this wasn't it. This being a manager just wasn't for me, or so it felt like at the time. Why did I tell you this depressing story? <laughs> Let's revisit the decision-making framework. So looking at myself, I had just come back from my second maternity leave. So things were already hectic. I had negotiated a four days a week schedule. I saw that my team was really dysfunctional when I had come back. Um, that guy was hired when I was gone. I was helping to interview managers and I don't think, I, I just wasn't happy with any of the people we were interviewing. I don't think I even wanted to be a manager, but I was just really worried we'd get a bad manager since no one we interviewed was that good. And that's not the best reason to become a manager. I, like if, if you can listen to that list, there's nothing where I wanted to, to grow a skill or like follow an ambition or a priority I had in myself. This is a huge glaring red flag. Looking at my leadership team, my boss was a former peer, and I knew he had less experience than me, both as an, engin uh, as an engineer and as, um, as a leader. And I was you know, able to see his entire management experience because it started at that company. He definitely did not have anything to teach me or know where I could find coaching or support to be a better manager. This was a red flag, but I hadn't even realized it at the time. I only thought about how I knew I could do that job. Looking to my peers, at the time, there were no other engineering managers, only three open recs for managers. And what happened was that three of us engineers were all becoming managers at the same time. This is a terrible, terrible scenario. <laughs> um, they were great as peers, and we tried to support each other as much as we could, but none of us had any management experience. And like I said, we couldn't rely on our um, boss. This is another yellow flag, possibly a red flag. 
Um, and then looking at my team. So this was a team I was already an engineer in, engineer in. And so I knew going in that I'd have to manage that guy. The rest of the team was great. Most of them had even asked my boss to have me step into their to be their manager. That was so flattering. And it was such a great green flag that almost everyone in my team was actively asking for me to manage them. But that one guy was a red flag. I just had no idea how hard HR and my own boss were going to fight me on firing him. Now, some of this isn't stuff I would have recognized in the moment, but really the truth is I hadn't even considered those things at all. Uh, aside from my team wants me to lead them and I don't want to be a bad, I don't want to have a bad manager. So again, no real evaluation of my circumstance or my own priorities. I do want to tell you another story though. And this one is about my friend, Julie, who has given me permission to tell her story in her own words. As you hear her story of her first time management experience, try to think of her experience in terms of looking at yourself, your leadership, your peers, and your team. Here's her story. Because there was literally no one else to do it, I was given the opportunity to build out three teams. I hired my boss, my peer managers, all the ICs. I screened for values, collaboration skills, and mindset and desire. Technical merit took a passenger seat. I wasn't really forthcoming about that algorithm. If asked, of course I would tell them, but they they didn't think to ask. They were seriously that busy. But I knew in my bones this experiment wouldn't fail. So much technical hiring unnecessarily weeds out the already marginalized. I wanted them marginalized and made sure they knew that I wanted them. After onboarding, the, the quote final exam was, what kind of engineer were we looking for? Do you see how you fit that vision? And if you ever forgot, how can we remind you? Enough time has passed for the newer team to start gelling. Mine had been established for a while, and holy shit, it's glorious. Rumor has it that my team is the most effective product dev team in the company, but I am not sure how one assesses that. Zero attrition for 1.5 years. Everyone loves to work with our devs. And more and more people are now reaching out to us to see how they can join or build teams like this. I can't wait to tell them. Moral, if you want to keep the status quo, never, ever, ever give power to a downtrodden Scorpio who's a living intersection of marginalization and has a big imagination. Moral two, there is no viable excuse for a non-diverse, non-inclusive, non-equitable engineering team. So that's my friend Julie's story. I told this story because you can see the complete difference in circumstance and outcomes. And also so that you can see that there is a certain power that comes in comes with going into management if the place and time are right. It's not just about leading a successful team, but making a difference in people's lives. When you go into management, there are a lot of unpleasant things, some of which I mentioned, but if you fight your way into rooms of power, you can change those rooms. I have another story. <laughs> it's spring 2017. I've had to shut down my startup a couple of months ago with my spouse, who was my co-founder. I had to let people go, people who I care about, who worked alongside me on things we really, really believed in. I had to shut down a company that was the culmination of a dream that I never even knew I had in my heart. I lost my own money, the money of people who truly believed in us, and I had to look all of them in the eye. 
I have to look myself in the eyes. I didn't make the right decisions. I did my best, but my best resulted in failure. It affected the livelihood of my team. On the personal side, my father-in-law had been in a debilitating, life-threatening car accident not too long before that, and we were trying to figure out how to help him through this medical crisis. My dog, who had been with us most of my adult life, passed away that month as well. My kids can see me, and I'm doing my best, but I'm a shell of a person. I had to climb out of this. I was lucky enough that we had some financial cushion to recover a bit before I had to find a new job but I had to find a new job. As a software engineer in the couple, I had a much higher chance of quickly finding a new job than my spouse, a game designer, and the pressure was on me. At that point, I was applying to both IC and management roles. IC, again, meaning individual contributor, someone who's writing code. Ultimately, I decided to go the IC route, and it felt kind of like I was eating humble pie, you know, after being a manager, after being a founder, And, you know, I I was still a founder who was writing code every day alongside my team, but it just felt bad. I knew people change from management to IC fairly often. I've seen people do it, but I definitely felt this sense of like wounded pride about it. Nonetheless, I decided to turn the page to one where I'm now an IC again. And why did I do that? I looked within myself. I was tired. I felt like I could barely be responsible enough for myself and my family. And how could I take on the responsibility of other people's careers who would rely on me? How could I be responsible for product and strategy decisions at a time when I couldn't trust any of my high-level decisions? Well, I made that decision to return to being an IC at that time. And I knew it wasn't a decision made out of joy, but it was out of fear and fatigue. And, you know, that's how the best decisions are are always made. (laughs) So I was very worried about how it would turn out. So how did it turn out? Um, Well, it was glorious. It was great. Let me tell you five years after five, maybe six years now after that decision was made, how great it was. So in the short term, I got my confidence back. I knew how to write code, execute, collaborate, facilitate, just get things done. I could lean on my strengths. And in so many ways, it felt like a vacation. I shipped huge business impacting projects. I shipped a product that even my mom was proud of, which is hard when you grow up, knowing that even an A was not good enough because it was not an A+. And I love solving technical problems. I love talking through architecture and helping people figure out how to break down a larger unscoped mess into a set of small scope tasks of taking on the risk of unknowns, of finding audacious solutions to sticky user issues. I love being a software engineer. I love being a software engineer. I didn't used to love it, but I love it now. But Mind you, I'm not that person who writes code in their spare time. I have kids. I have a family. I watch a lot of TV. I have hobbies. I don't do side projects. I don't have time or mental bandwidth or even interest. But I do love solving problems on the clock. And I love a meaty challenge that I I can work with others to solve. So being able to lean on my IC skill sets meant that I had a lot of mental bandwidth to do a bunch of other stuff that had impact in different ways than when I was a manager and founder. I looked up and around 
and saw that I was in an environment where I could do a bunch of stuff that I value, that is usually not valued, that I could learn from my manager and director, that the company appreciated the work I did. So my director, the best boss I ever had, she had created a team around me that was the most diverse I had worked in. Like it was diverse in every way you can think of. We were actually mostly women in every part of the organization in our team. Um, We had more women named Jessica in our team than white men when I joined. Uh, We were mostly people of color. We had veterans. We were from a diverse age range from early 20s to high 40s. Some of us are parents. Many of us were LGBTQIA. Some of us were non-neurotypical folks. Some of us had disabilities. We had boot camp grads, college dropouts, as well as the usual college grads. We had this incredible and excellent team with very little turnover for a long time under her. Our group put out incredible business impact numbers. And this is very similar to Julie's story. (laughs) So under that director, under this incredible person that I respected, I worked on multiple projects where every single DRI, which is a directly responsible individual or lead, Every single one sitting around the room making the decisions was a woman of color. I had never experienced that in the 20 years leading up to that in the industry. Under her, I experienced what it was to not feel that weight on my shoulders of being an only. I genuinely got to experience what it was to do my best work, unencumbered by the daily fight to be seen and heard and that death by a thousand cuts. So what was the point of that story? (laughs) I want you to see a future where you are that director, that VP, that CTO, that creates that kind of team, where real belonging and real inclusion is celebrated, where entire teams of people have their lives impacted for the better. Could your switch into management bring you down this path? But also, I want you to think about that story so that you can envision being a high-level engineer and not a manager, like I got to be in her team. Because she created that space as a leader, I got to do so many things I care about. Um, hopefully this doesn't sound bra- like bragging, but here's some extracurriculars that I got involved in. Um, a lot of people call it glue work on top of shipping some satisfying projects. For all of these, I always tried to center the experiences of the underrepresented folks and always tried to create committees and working groups which put them or us front and center. So I started two recurring mentorship programs within the company and mentored over 30 engineers focusing on women of color. I got involved in the program to hire folks folks, uh, post-incarceration, and I'm so proud of that work. I revamped the onboarding exercises for a large portion of engineering. So it accommodated people with different engineering backgrounds. I revamped the interview exercises to be to be less biased and to be more fair. I organized and participated in panels and conferences. I started a tech spec workshop. I organized offsites and social events and trying to make sure that um, we did things that were inclusive to people of different Uh, personalities and abilities. We started a casual lunch meetup for engineers. This was pre-COVID so that new people could feel like they were pulled in immediately into the team and the culture. I held office hours to help people who are struggling in their work. And I met with the director and VPs of engineering leaders to talk to them about how they can do better and and how they can advocate for less visible 
uh, folks from marginalized backgrounds. And I wouldn't have had time to do all that if I were a manager. And like I said, you know, in that opportunity, I looked within and I looked at the leadership around me and the peers around me and understood that this was a place where I could do these things. And for that, those reasons, I could be an IC and thrive. You know, I hope that I've given you some things to think about, um, about when you, when you imagine your future career as either a manager going up the management ladder or as a continuing on the engineering technical ladder and some ways to help you decide how you want to go forward. Thank you for this time. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who hold. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate, and comment.